Hey, Lewis here. I mean, obviously it's me, right? I'm the only guy who actually runs this freaking show. Anyways, I'm here to tell you about something that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. It's not going to be ready until later this year. However, I'm going to give you the lowdown on it so you can get it for free. Here it is. I am going to be releasing a podcast monetization masterclass. I've been spending the last few months on this, building it, refining it, even training my team on how to use this with our own clients. When it is out and finally published and ready, it will be anywhere from, I'd say, $47 to $197. I'm not sure what I'm going to price it at yet, and there will be a lot of bonuses that go with this course as well. However, the first 100 people who actually raise their hand, say they want it, and actually go through the course and give me good feedback are going to get it for free, okay? So if you want to be one of those 100 people, there will be a link to a page where you can sign up and add your name to it and your email, and then I will send you the 1.0 version of this course when it is out, all right? You'll be one of the first 100 people. Once I hit 100 people, I am shutting it off, and it will be a paid product, and that will be it, all right? So make sure if you want this course for free, be one of those 100 people because that is the only way you will be able to get it for free. All right, that is it. Now back to this episode. What is going on, Domination Nation? Today on the show, we have a two-time guest, good friend of mine, one of the nicest, actually, pause, let me frame that, the nicest guy in podcasting, but don't let that fool you. He is an OG and a very, very talented podcaster, consultant, good friend of mine, like I said, Jan Ilunga, and he's also a polygot, which means... Besides, if I'm saying it right, it means he speaks five languages. <laughs> so anyways, this was a interview we did in my Facebook group, the Podcast Dominators, or sorry, the Podcasters Inner Circle. New name, new name, same old me, same good stuff. But anyways, if you don't know who Jan is, you should go back and listen to our first episode. It was an excellent one. But Jan is a podcasting consultant and systems consultant. And basically, he's a very smart guy. He knows podcast guesting. He knows podcasts. He knows how to build systems. He helps his clients grow and scale their podcast. Um, so I wanted to get him on the show and chat him up a bit about podcast guesting, how to convert listeners into subscribers, and then hopefully leads for your business. And we talk about a lot of great stuff on this interview. And it's about an hour long, but there are tons of takeaways, tips, things you can apply right now, today, this hour in your podcast. So a little bit more about Jan. He has been featured in Forbes, Inc. And, you know, he is a guy I've always actually seen speak at a lot of these events. So if you go to any big events like Podcast Movement or PodFest, um, he's usually speaking at them. So it was good to have him on the show. Um, A wealth of knowledge. So Enjoy this episode with Jan. Be sure to go to his website, Jan Ilunga. That's I L U N G A dot com. Jan, Y A N N, Ilunga dot com. And it'll be in the show notes as well, my friends. But great interview. You'll enjoy it. I'll catch you later. Bye. Hey, welcome to the podcast domination show where we help you launch, grow, monetize, and dominate the podcasting space. This is a show where we believe that if you can get attention with your podcast, you can influence someone. And if you can influence someone, you can get them to take massive action. And if you can get someone to do that, you, my friend, can dominate. I'm Luis Diaz, your host and founder of Podcast Domination, and I'm your guide. Let's go. So, Jan Ilunga, welcome. To give you guys a little bit of a background on the Jan, um, He's, first of all, <laughs> one of the nicest guys in podcasting. I 100% say that. Um, you know, friendliest guys I've ever met in real life. And um, he's been in, he's in f- featured on Forbes, Inc., um, and many other big publications like that for his knowledge in podcasting, which is why I love going to him and just, I like scroll all his stuff and all the. So and I'm always learning stuff off of you, on. So it's really cool to have you here again, have you uh, as a round two. Um, but today, as we were talking before we got on here, uh, a couple of things we wanted to cover which was number one, some of the biggest mistakes podcasters make um, or some mistakes you've made in the past. I'll share some of mine and um, try to lay out the, um, the things that you should not do <laughs> when you're starting your podcast or as you're going on to grow it 
and to um, to make it a successful one. Because I'd say, give some context. I'd say ninety nine percent of people in here are podcasters with a business, or they're looking to use it for business purposes. So they're using it as a marketing tool. So, um, so yeah. So welcome. And um, I guess the biggest question is to start off like. I guess, yeah, let's start off with some of your biggest mistakes um, or biggest mistakes you see out there. Yeah, sounds good. Well, thanks for for having me here back after, as you said, after your podcast, the Facebook group. And yeah, I'm really pumped about this. And I did take some notes because I kind of thought that we could address that question by looking at the three different areas and are actually areas that are of importance for those who already have a podcast as well as for those who are thinking about starting a podcast. So the three areas are content, growth, and then we can also touch upon monetization if you want a little bit. Cool. Absolutely. Um, yeah, content such a huge area. I think um, personally, I think in terms of mistakes, you know, you tell me if you, what you see here when it comes to mistakes, but I see it, people just kind of not giving a story and not mm-hmm. sharing a story. Maybe it's, it's a little too dry. Um, at the end of the they end up being boring, which doesn't help them at all. So what are some of the things you see in this area that uh, are big mistakes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One thing to kind of piggyback on what you just said, Luis, I think sometimes when we think about storytelling, we it, it can be a bit intimidating, especially if this is our first time in front of, of a microphone or of a camera, if somebody does a video show. Uh, personally, I've had experience with interviews before, so mm-hmm. it wasn't a completely new thing. And I wouldn't say I'm a, a master at storytelling, but I think it's something that as we start to break it down, we're going to realize that it's not as intimidating as it may sound. So, for example, as you said, when stories are lacking, I think that we can immediately change that by thinking about a few different uh let's say buckets that we can uh, pick stories from. And one is our our personal story. And that can be about your personal life. I don't know, uh, your your mother tongue, your age, your gender, the area of the world you live in. And can be about your professional story, your career, your academic path, if you have studied. And then you can look at your community and your client base. So are there stories from some of your clients that you can share on the podcast or are there, for example, like in the case of your Facebook group here, maybe there is somebody in the group who shares a story and he or she isn't something, uh, somebody, sorry, that you're directly uh, working with, but you can still kind of look at the story, break it down, bring it on the podcast. Then you can look at the kind of uh, your journey. So, Oftentimes, even if we're just getting started, we can share the stories as a journeyman to say, okay, I'm in the process of doing this, of of carrying out these steps, and this is what I've learned so far. And then you can also look, for example, at uh, current news and things like that. So it doesn't have to be uh, scary or difficult to find stories. So I think that's a very good point you touched upon. Now, personally, I think especially because of what you said, Louis, that most of the people in the group have a business connected to their podcast. I think a very big mistake when it comes to the content, and it's also something that has an impact on conversions and utilizing the podcast as an asset for the business is a lack of alignment between the content of the podcast, the business, or even some of the products and services that the business sells. So I think that sometimes we realize that, oh, okay, we have, for example, a SaaS company and we provide, I don't know, we sell an email marketing software and our content is interviews with business owners. And sure, sometimes we talk about email marketing, but sometimes we talk about something that isn't really aligned with what we sell. So then it's not a surprise if we have a call to action connected to our product, our service, or a free trial or something like that, mm-hmm. but it's not tied into what the specific episode covered. If the episode was about, I don't know, Facebook advertising, and we didn't touch upon email marketing one bit, it may not be a, a kind of a very good asset if the one of the goals we want to achieve is to have more people sign up for our email marketing software. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 100% sense. Um, one of the, I have a 
so funny story here. Side side note. There's a plug, and I keep on looking out in case you're wondering, because I'm afraid my my charge is going to fly out of there. Um, <laughs> one of the questions we had that was in the group that was really good the other day. We were doing a Facebook Live, and someone said, how do you sell on a podcast without being salesy? Because sometimes people think that if they're talking about maybe their product or maybe stories around their product or stories around maybe their guests or their, sorry, around their customers, maybe customer mm-hmm. stories or customer problems that they've helped. Um they're afraid of being salesy on a podcast or maybe just pushing it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, there's a fine line. I'm sure you, you, you think it's the same. Um, but where, where you're giving you any, any rules or any kind of like tips on how to like tell stories, be genuine, share your story, your product information, but not be overly salesy. Yeah, absolutely. And funny you ask this because I had uh, made a note for the monetization aspect of this <laughs> of this Facebook Live, and I, I I noted it down. And I think the problem or one of the key problems when it comes to podcast monetization, so selling also on podcasts, yeah. is that some hosts seem not to understand the difference between direct and indirect podcast monetization. Mm-hmm. So by direct, I mean, I share something like, let's say, I have a specific call to action that revolves around something and the window of time between me sharing the call to action and a listener ideally taking that action is relatively short. We're talking about minutes, we're talking about hours, we're talking about days. And in that case, it can be, for example, let's say I have a special offer going on for us for for my new book or or like in your case for the book you could say okay i have this offer that is available only for this month and use if you use the promo code whatever summer you get 50% of the book so right. that is very very specific and it's something where you share it there is a short window of time and ideally a person purchases the book using the coupon code. When we're talking about indirect podcast monetization, the window of time expands. So we're talking about days, weeks, or in some cases, even months between the call to action we share and a sale taking place. So if we think about using a sales funnel, for example, if the product we want to sell with the funnel is let's stick with the example of your book, is the book. Mm-hmm. Then on the podcast, our call to action wouldn't be about buy the book, use the coupon code, but it would be about a free downloadable resource that is yeah. connected to the book, but it's free for people to download in exchange for their email address. So then when somebody downloads, let's say the checklist, for example, yeah. they would automatically be put in an uh, in a funnel and there is an automated email sequence that adds additional value and things like that and then introduces the offer for the book so i think that sometimes when we are uh, guests or even when we are hosts and we want to kind of push our own products we tend not to remember these things and there is a clear distinction and it's simply a matter of deciding so If you have something that is time sensitive, then it makes sense to kind of have a more direct call to action. Buy my book, buy my course, use this coupon code. I did that, for example, uh, for my virtual summit, the Podcast Success Summit. One of the strategies I used to promote it was do a series of interviews as a guest and ask the hosts to publish those before the summit started. And the call to action was kind of twofolded. On the one hand was to get the free ticket, but I was also saying that even though the summit hasn't started yet, you can already get access with the lifetime pass and the price is X. So that's very tailored because it was time sensitive. But in some cases, when I'm a guest, I say, okay, ideally I want to promote this course or on my podcast as well. I want to promote this course, for example, but I'm not going to promote it directly on the podcast, but I'm going to focus my call to action on a free resource mm-hmm. that is connected to the topic of the episode, number one. Yeah. Number yeah. two, 
is connected to the to the product or service. So think of it as the product or the service is the main course and the freebie is the appetizer. And if yeah. the main course is for vegetarians, then we want to make sure that the appetizer <laughs> is for vegetarians as well. You can tell I'm a foodie here. And, <laughs> and in that case, I would focus on the lead magnet. So I think that that's really a mindset, but also a strategic aspect that often both podcast hosts and podcast guests get wrong. I And especially if your content is evergreen, then you have to keep in mind that if you really believe that the content is evergreen, so it can be available today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, then you can tie that by to, to a sales funnel, for example. So you put more emphasis on the indirect dimension of podcast monetization so that potentially that episode and the funnel connected to it generates leads and sales today, tomorrow, next week, next month, and next year. I love it. That's very true. Very true. It's like um, congruency with the offer, I think is super important, especially mm-hmm. nowadays, because if we, you know, in our market and then other people's market in this, in this Facebook group, they are in very competitive markets. They're in health and fitness, they're in marketing services, they're in mm-hmm. they have agencies. So um, their customer is much, much more intelligent and they're not going to, you know, they're not really going to opt in for anything that doesn't sound very good or very congruent with what they just heard. So um, I think that's really important. Like you have to have very congruent offers, like you're saying with mm-hmm. the, the appetizer and then the main meal. If it's a vegetarian, you can't have bacon in the appetizer, you know, so it's got to be, it's got to be all the way it's got to be congruent and then also the evergreen piece so right. uh, what i mean in your in your experience what has been some good examples of, of evergreen lead magnets that people maybe checklists or mm-hmm. guides or you know what are some things that you've seen work for you maybe and also your clients yeah that's a great question and well i think that when it comes to the lead magnets sometimes we think well it has to be something like very epic but right. i I disagree. And I mean, I if I look at my lead magnets, yeah. I, I see the proven kind of track record and which ones are more successful. So right. one of my highest converting lead magnets is, I almost feel like laughing because it's so simple. I did an episode on pitching and I discussed basically how I approach the, the process of pitching. I, to be honest, now I don't remember if that specific lead magnet is to pitch uh, potential podcast guests, so when you are the host, or if it's the one to pitch yourself when you want to be the guest. But the concept is the same. And basically, I explained how I go about it, and I shared the template I use and kind of the principles. My background is in communications. I've studied that at both bachelor and master's level at university. So when I talk about the email uh, kind of structure that I use, in the episode, yeah. I, I explain, oh, okay, this first sentence is like this or has these words for this particular reason. In this second sentence, we trigger this psychological aspect and all those kind of things. And then the lead magnet, very simple. I basically just took the template that I shared on the show, copied that or typed that on a PDF. And the call to action is, okay, I I made to make things easier for you. I wrote down the, the template in a PDF that you can download. And it's just obviously an exchange for people's email address. So that's very straight to the point. And the reason why that works really well is that the, the topic and the lead magnet are perfectly aligned. And the lead magnet I offer is the natural or the perfect next step yeah. to the episode. So as I was thinking about the lead magnet, I thought, well, when one is done with this episode, he or she knows how to approach pitching, what to think about, what to include in the email. And the next step would be to actually take those lessons and implement them. So to facilitate that, I put down the, the template basically on, on paper and people can, can use it. So that has been working like a charm for, for me personally. Uh, of one of my clients has had pretty good success with an uh, email course. Okay. Yeah. I thought about which, that. Yeah. yeah. Which is, and again, it's a free email course and it's, 
it's basically a, a challenge, but it's it's a the structure is let's say to simplify things, it's an email sequence, it's an automated email sequence, and it's something that again uh, during the the interview, for example, when she's a guest, she would mention that specific landing page. A person goes there and then joins the challenge. So. Uh, as I said, the lead magnet doesn't have to be something super sophisticated. I mean, I think in her case, the challenge is literally just a series of emails. So it's not that there is like, I don't know, 3D banners, virtual reality stuff. Yeah. Pretty straight to the point. Got it. So I love, I love what you just did there because I think anyone in this group can do that. They can take an email, an email copy, like a swipe file they have. They can take some kind of thing they use in their business. A, t- a tool, a template, a checklist. Mm-hmm. They can talk about that on the podcast and they can make the episode that and they can also make the congruent offer that as well, mm-hmm. which, which I've seen for me. I'm the guy who's always downloading those things. Like I listen to, um, who is it? Uh, Story Brand. So Donald mm-hmm. Miller, he mm-hmm. had actually had one of his, one of his, um, his last chance emails. He wrote it out and he was explaining it and how it sells and why it sells. Um, so he did that and it was, he gave the, uh, gave it away at the end. It was congruent offer. So it was really simple. Mm-hmm. So very high converting um, there as well. I want to pivot a little bit and, and talk a little bit about distribution. Mm-hmm. May may add one quick thing, if you don't mind, before we talk about distribution. And another thing that one could think about, especially if the topic of your podcast is pretty visual in nature, yeah. then something you could do is basically compensate the lack of the visual uh, sense or element on the show with your podcast, uh, sorry, not with your podcast, with your lead magnet. So for example, if you have a podcast related to photography and you talk about a specific technique or something like that, it may be harder to understand without any visual element. So the downloadable resource could be something as simple as, for example, a picture with a couple of notes where you explain, okay, so you can see if you want to take this kind of picture, you should have this kind of angle and this kind of height or degrees, whatever. So just wanted to, to add that. Good point. Good point. It, it, it's almost like a, like a necessary, um, it's kind of like tying your hand behind the back on purpose and say, Hey, if you need help. Then there's always the, the, the visual resource. You can go get it at blah, blah, blah. So I'm going right. to explain to you right here best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, very, I've done that many times before. Um, with decent success and it works. So um, that's a good idea. I should have brought water, <laughs> um, but moving on. Yeah. The uh, distribution. So I don't know about you, Jan, but I get this question all the time, you know, and people are just kind of curious as to if their podcast is being distributed, meaning are they on all of the directories that they should be on? Um, or am I publishing my podcast everywhere? So you got any questions about that around like, checking whether or not they're there's something comes to you and they're curious as to whether they're in every place they need to be or should be. Yes. Yes. I, it's a question I see quite often in my Facebook group, the podcast growth mastermind. I think at least a few times a month, there are different members who ask questions about, ah, how do I get my podcast on Spotify? Or does somebody have their podcast on Spotify? What do you think? Is it worth having it there? Yes. No. For me personally, I think that the more platforms you can have your podcast on, the better. Because it it doesn't it doesn't hurt, and yeah. I think it's definitely good to to make sure that your podcast is at least on the main platforms. Well, obviously Apple Podcasts, and then once it's on Apple Podcasts, many other podcasting platforms, apps, and directories kind of syndicate its content. So if yeah. you have just submitted your podcast to Apple Podcasts, for example, in a few days or a few weeks, you may start to see it on other places. But I would say. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, uh, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, uh, well, Google as well. Now that it's it's kind of putting more emphasis on podcasts, Uh, then there are some like iHeartRadio. And so the, the main ones, Stitcher, I think I mentioned it. So there is plenty of options, but I would say, do two things. The first one is focus on the major platforms and you want to 
double check. Some media hosts allow you to distribute your content to platforms or your podcast content to platforms like Spotify or iHeartRadio, literally with just a couple of clicks, while other platforms or if or depending on the media host you use to have your podcast available on other platforms, you may have to actually manually go through the submission process. So you will have to write the, the show name and the paste the link of your podcast RSS feed and so forth. But I would say do this, number one. And number two, if you are in a specific niche and you know that there is a specific uh, aggregator, for example, or an app that seems a podcast listening app that seems to be the one that people in that niche utilize, then it makes sense to make sure that your podcast is there as well. So for a practical example, if you were to have a podcast about, I don't know, something that a podcast that targets people who use iOS devices, then it would make sense to make sure that your your podcast is on the most popular uh, podcast listening apps for iOS. And one of them is Overcast, for example. I love Overcast. So, I guess a good example of that, what you're just explaining is like, if you had a podcast about iOS, like Rob Walsh has a podcast called Today mm-hmm. in iOS, it right. makes sense to be on Apple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of sense. So, so that, that's an example there. Um, I like that. that. That's Yeah, same here. I'm the same way. I think you should have it on every platform. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't really take any extra time after you set it up. Right, so, yeah. For those wondering how, I actually have a checklist. Um, and I'll share this. I want to share definitely the link to your your group in the in the comments when we're done Great, here. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the link to that episode with the uh, the script. I think a lot of people will love that here. That um, episode you talk about with the lead magnet. Mm-hmm. That um, so so good, very very good, helpful stuff there. Because I always get that question, and I'm like, why why wouldn't you be on everywhere? Um, yeah, it's important. Sorry, sorry to to cut you off, Luis, but it's important also to keep in mind that the industry is changing. So it's yeah. important to kind of try to keep yourself uh, stay updated. And for example, think of something like Spotify. A year ago, Spotify. A year, year and a half ago, Spotify was music only. Or Pandora, it's another platform I forgot to mention. It was music only. No, no podcaster would talk about it in the podcasting space or when it was in connection to podcasting. And now Spotify uh, has made moves by acquiring, for example, Anchor and doing things that kind of strengthened its position in the podcasting field. So it makes sense if in the past was, ah, Apple Podcast, Apple Podcast, Apple Podcast. It's important to keep an eye on on how things are changing and Mm -hmm. thinking that ah okay something like Spotify for example which was not of much relevance for podcasters until basically yeah. recently nowadays it's it keeps growing as a platform so it's definitely important to keep an eye on those developments. Very true. Uh, you you mentioned Anchor there, and mm. I want to get your thoughts on. <laughs> on I get this question all the time. I'm like, I don't. To my knowledge, Anchor doesn't really allow you to control your RSS feed, so there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's you, you have less control with Anchor. So I get people always ask, "Oh, well, I should should I be an anchor or should I not?" I'm like, it's not my favorite. But I wanted to see if you had any any solid evidence as to why or why not. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I do have an opinion, and and actually, funny uh, at the time of doing this Facebook Live, I'm, I'm almost finished with a very long article, a sort of epic guide on Anchor for podcasters. Oh, cool. So I do believe uh, that. It's definitely a powerful platform, also because of what I said. So because of its connection, you know, like Spotify and things like that, they keep adding features. So I personally wouldn't ignore it, but I wouldn't use it as my main platform, as you said, especially because of the lack of freedom with the RSS feed, which is basically the key element for the distribution of your podcast episodes for this uh, subscription aspect so people can subscribe to it. So what I would do instead is I would use it as a secondary platform. Mm -hmm. It means, for example, when it comes to upload the episodes, 
Anchor doesn't have uh, an automated kind of syndication process. So it's not that if your podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, okay. it's automatically available on Anchor. But I still would leverage it because the platform keeps growing and also because they are adding more features for podcasters. So there is, well, there are some related to the content, so you can record with other people and things like that. But they also yeah. have added uh, features that go more in the monetization aspects. You can, I think they call it like, listener sponsorship something along those lines so yeah exactly so because of that i would definitely uh, think about anchor but if somebody were to start their podcast today i wouldn't say have it on anchor i would say have a media host a company that has been around for years and that is really what has been specializing in Yeah. And then use Anchor as a secondary platform and explore some of the, the features that they have to offer that perhaps you could use and benefit from. Right. And, and with Anchor, so how I, would, how I interpret that is like I would take – I would make my own podcast. Obviously, you have to start a podcast on Anchor, like register for an account. Right. Sign up, all that stuff. So you would sign up, register for an account. Would you kind of recreate your podcast over there and then maybe upload the episodes kind of manually? Is that how that yeah. would work? Or exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Actually, good clarification. Thank you, Luis, because I, I think I didn't do a very good job at kind of explaining that. Yeah. So what I would do is once I have my podcast already available somewhere, yeah, I would yeah, sign up for Anchor and I would use the title of the show or your name, whatever you use, upload yeah. the artwork, and then basically just copy and paste the details. So the show name, the description, and those kind of things. And then, yes, upload the episodes manually and add the metadata there, the episode title, episode description. And yeah. that's something that, as I said early on, unfortunately, as of today, it can't be done in an automated fashion. So, yeah, it has to be done manually. But I would definitely... Uh, do it if you have hundreds of episodes I, i understand that it can sound overwhelming perhaps you can yeah, yeah you can hire somebody to do that that's true yeah very true and with one question here because I, i would my next fear would be now do i have two of the same podcasts on itunes or can you turn off the their ability to send it to itunes because they're going to assume it's like a new podcast or oh, let's let us send it to itunes is there a way to to turn that feature off Yes, there is. Basically, you can uh, you can choose. They give you the anchor RSS feed, I believe it's called, and there is that you can choose platforms to distribute distribute your your podcast to. Okay. So there is, I think there is Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, like the the most popular ones. So Good. I think I think you can do that. I'm quickly gonna try to. See if I can see it from the mobile app here. But I remember that you can basically also when you upload an episode, publish it to Anchor only so that it, there isn't this duplication issue that you mentioned. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that'd be my only fear. Um, and then outside of that, my last question here is, uh, I'm not an Anchor follower. I just know a little bit about it. I think I had an experiment mm -hmm. podcast on it once. And Can you listen to other podcasts on this platform? Is it like a is it one that's getting a lot of attention from the listener side of things? Uh, that's that's a very very good question. I have to say that I haven't kind of focused on Anchor so much from the listener perspective. So I focused more on what it has to offer for podcasters in terms of, for example, yeah, some of the features and things like that. It is a growing platform, but yeah, I I have no no idea of kind of how how things are. But yeah, you are basically it's it's also a podcast listening app. So you can listen to podcasts and yeah, like you would do in, in most podcast listening apps. Yeah. And that would make sense as to why you'd want your show there then in that case. If there's people listening there, mm -hmm. you know um other podcasters so if you like you and i like we have podcasts around podcasting mm -hmm. it makes sense to be there because there's guess what there's podcasters there who want right. to make their show better so mm -hmm. so that makes a lot of sense a whole lot of sense um yeah i like that because i get that question all the time like i don't focus on that i i use mm -hmm. lips personally i Me like too, yeah lips and better i've heard 
good things around Simplecast as well. That um, it's a little bit cheaper. They've got good features. They're growing. They're always innovating. So um, that's one thing. Um, I guess let's. I want to kind of also last year thing here is pivot to podcast guesting, which I know you're an expert in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned a lot from you about this area. I know you've got a course on it. Um, right. Some of the interesting things you were touching on before about like kind of the pitch and the email. Um, but I guess I want to step back before that and talk a little bit about how people, you know, find podcast opportunities. In my opinion, Facebook groups are very important for this aspect, mm-hmm. but what are some ways that you, you personally find podcast interviews? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, first of all, it's podcast. I listen to podcasts. So podcast yeah. listening apps, podcasting platforms like Apple podcasts provide plenty of opportunities. So yeah. something as simple as, Focusing on a specific category or a specific topic can can go a long way. Another strategy that can be used, and I've, I've used this, is I think about few people that I know mm. who cover kind of similar topics or who I know have been featured on shows that would make sense for me to to be a guest on. And then I go to, let's say, Apple Podcasts, for example. I enter, let's say, your name. So I would put Luis Diaz. And then when do you have the options on the sidebar, I would choose uh, episodes. And I would see the shows that your name is connected to. So basically, like if somebody were to go on Apple Podcasts, they would Mm -hmm. tap in Jan Ilunga and click on episodes. They would see the the podcasts I've been featured on as a guest. So... That's a a strategy. If you want to enhance that even further, and this is especially if you're serious about podcast guesting and if you're kind of afraid that you may hit kind of a threshold where you're like, well, I feel I start the opportunities start to be saturated. Then what you could do is you can pair Apple Podcast, since it's still the number one podcasting platforms, with uh, Amazon. So you can go on Amazon, and if you are an author, then if you go to your Amazon author page, you scroll down, you see like similar authors or something like that. So you can look at authors that Amazon connected to do, or, or the Amazon algorithm connected to you and your book. Right. And and basically say, okay, I have the list of these five authors, 10 authors, and I'm going to use the strategy I just mentioned. So I go to Apple Podcast, enter the first and last name of author number one, and see, has he or she been a guest on podcast? Yes, these are the shows. Right. So that can work very, very well. And then uh, you mentioned uh, Facebook groups. So there is opportunities in Facebook groups, uh online communities the the mistake i see many people make and i saw actually somebody doing it recently in my group is a person just joins the group and the first thing they do is ah hey if you're looking for guests this is who i am this is what i do and it's crazy because first of all it shows it position especially if somebody uh other than me, because obviously I'm the admin, but if somebody is a pretty active member and sees, okay, this is a a new face, and now Facebook even have the kind of tags, new member, rising star, conversation starter or whatever, then they're going to notice, okay, this person is is just, it's like if you walk into a house where there is a party, you're there for the first time, and you just, hey, everybody, I'm here, you know, I'm so pumped. People would be a bit like, what? So the way I use groups is, and it can be my group, but it can be other groups, is I really pay attention to certain posts. And for example, I do it, many other groups do it as well, where every now and then the admin would post something like, ah, what is your podcast about? Leave leave uh, the, the description in the comments. Yeah. So then I would say, okay, this, 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 five hosts, 10 hosts have podcasts that I think would be a good fit. And then I either start a conversation with them yeah. or I join a conversation that they have either started or have been part of and then move the conversation 
from the exchanges we have had, let's say, in a Facebook group, for example, to right. something like email or LinkedIn or even Facebook Messenger and take it from there. Got it. Yeah, I personally I like to move from to Facebook Messenger, mm-hmm. but all those three are are pretty congruent. Um, and that and that's simple. I like that. I mean, so for someone who maybe not may not know an influencer or someone in their space that's similar, that they cannot go to iTunes and type their name in. Mm-hmm. The next step for them is to use their author page if they're an author on on Amazon. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and if they aren't an author, they can still leverage that strategy by basically enter the, the, their area of expertise or the topic. So, for example, if, I don't know, their expertise is um, uh, vegetarian food <laughs> or vegetarian recipes, then they would go on Amazon, look for, especially you can start by looking at best-selling books. Yeah. And you say, okay, who wrote these five books that are bestsellers? And then enter their names and, and see if if they have uh, been featured on podcasts. So even if you aren't an author, you can still uh, uh, utilize this strategy. Very good. Okay, awesome. Have you ever tried Listen Notes? Gone to Listen Notes? They have a classified section. Oh, interesting. No, I know of Listen Notes. I was also interviewed for it, but I haven't really kind of used it myself. Right. Check out their, they have a, it's like a Craigslist for podcasters. It's really interesting. Oh. You can post like what you're looking for. Like, oh, I'm looking mm-hmm. for guests. I'm looking for sponsors. I'm looking for cross promos, um, all kinds of stuff. You can just go through and just look at and look at them uh, and see which ones are fit for you. So very, very interesting stuff. So um, I love that. Anything else? Any other big mistakes? We've covered a lot here. Um, and I'll make sure we link all of your stuff in the comments mm-hmm. um, from the course to the episode to also your Facebook group, which I'm a part of. So, which has always been, it's one of my first favorite, first and favorite podcasts and Facebook groups that I went been in. Good um, to hear. Yeah, it's good. It's a good um, group person or experience, honestly, than other nice. groups that I've been in. Um, anything else in, in your eyes that uh, you think that would be like a, a mistake that we're leaving off here? Um, when it comes to podcast guests, podcast hosts? Uh, podcast guests. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, there is many. There is really many. But I would say one that it's kind of a, a big mistake because it can be basically the one that prevents you from being on a podcast is uh, to sharpen your pitching skills. And I get pitched all the time. Mm. And I realize that often, and in, in my course, of uh, on podcast guesting that you mentioned is called podcast guesting that works. I've actually also taken some screenshots of bad pitches I've got. I <laughs> I did cover like the name of the people so they're not recognizable, but I did dissect those and explain why those pitches don't work and shared with the students why uh, basically if you're making that mistake you should change Sorry, you should change things around. So the first pretty obvious is you're pitching yourself for a podcast that you're not a good fit for. So, for example, if I have I have on my uh, contact page that I clearly say I'm not looking for podcast guests, people are pitching themselves. So it's it's a waste of time. And I don't answer to those emails anymore because it's clear that the person didn't spend 30 seconds to actually read the page. And I say, before you get in touch, read this. And it's like four or five bullet points. It's not that it's... uh, Yeah, yeah. So that's one mistake. Another mistake is you pitch yourself... Well, so let me take a step back. The first mistake is you pitch yourself for a podcast that isn't looking for guests or isn't an interview. And I even have sometimes people who are almost trying to push me, try to convince me to change my mind. I'm like, are you serious? It's like, it's my show. I decide kind of how to go about things. Then the second mistake is people who uh, are simply not a good fit. So for example, somebody who may be an expert in real estate wouldn't be a good fit for for my podcast that talks about music business. Yeah. I, I have several podcasts in case somebody was wondering, because it's like this guy talks about my podcast in different contexts. So I have... Yeah a few podcasts. So those two are big mistakes. And then the the third mistake is to understand what actually 
makes a pitch a good one. And it, it's pretty simple, actually, but many people don't understand this. And it's that you shouldn't make the pitch about you mm-hmm. exclusively, but it should be about how, basically what you would add to the show or how you would add value. increase the level, yeah, add value to the show. So, for example, sometimes some pitches well, are extremely long for starters, which isn't ideal. And also they talk about all the things that I'm like, well, this is something that doesn't really help me make a decision if I were to actually do interviews. Yeah. So it doesn't matter that you you were born in this year and you've done this and you've traveled the world and you start to share your, your assistant or publicist because often there is even publicists who actually send me those kind of pitches. And I'm like, Okay, so somebody paid you to send this like really bad pitch, but that's a different story. (laughs) But people, you know, say, oh, yeah, and I've done this and I've achieved that and I do this and I do that. And most of those things are really irrelevant. So what I do and what I invite my consulting clients to do and what I would invite everybody here to do is be straight to the point. So first of all, when you are reaching out, explain why you're reaching out. So I'm writing to you because I always say, I was wondering, are you looking for guests for podcast domination? And then, so basically with that question, I explain why I'm reaching out in case they don't know who I am. That's why why is this random guy emailing me? That's why. Then what I do, I also already suggest the topic. So for example, I say, uh, I know you cover podcasting. I'd be, I typically talk about podcast guesting. So if that's a topic you deem relevant, we could cover that. Right. Otherwise, I'm also happy to talk about, I don't know, podcast marketing, podcast interviews, whatever. So I already suggest two or three topics so that the host is like, okay, oh yeah, maybe they see one of the topics and thinks, oh, this is exactly something I was thinking about covering. So even before they research me, I may already be in a good position, one step closer to him, uh, to the host say yes, because they're like, well, I've been thinking about covering this topic and I was thinking who would be a good person to talk about this topic. So that's one thing. Then the, the next step is to actually let the, Make it easy for the host to know more about you. So, for example, I have what I call a podcast guest webpage, which is a page that has the information a host needs uh, in order to decide whether I'm a good uh, or a valid podcast guest. So I include a link to that in, in the email as well. And then what I do is if uh, if the host is somebody that I don't know, Then I use a little bit of psychology of communication. So I'm basically approaching the host, asking Mm -hmm. if he or she's looking for guests, asking for the interview. But instead of waiting for the answer, I continue my email as if he or she has already said yes. So I say, here's uh, and here's the link to my scheduler so that you can pick a date and time for the interview. So that's a, a little kind of psychological uh, psychology of communication hack. Yeah. And then the, the final thing that you can add, if, for example, you have something really appealing, because, you know, every, every podcast host has a, in his or her uh, baggage of goals. One of the goals is growing their show. So if you have a pretty big email list or you have... Uh, I don't know, a Facebook group, you right. you have something to offer or you're in the, you can look at your entire digital real estate and say, I have a Facebook group with a thousand members. I have my email list with X thousands. I have X amount on LinkedIn connections and so forth. And you can add that to your email and say, yeah, um, if we were to do the interview, I'd be happy to share it with my community of 2,000 people, 5,000 people, 50,000 people, and so forth. Right. Those are the things that increase the chances of the host say yes, because you're sharing things that make the host know, okay, why is this person emailing me? Wants to be a guest. 
what would he or she be a good fit for? You're mentioning the topics. Where can I learn more about him? Instead of waiting for the host to have to go and Google search you, you say, this is where you can learn more about me. Your podcast guest webpage, in my case, it can be an about page. And then you can have your scheduler. And as I said, if that's something you have and you want to share, then you can say, I'm happy to share the interview with my following community or fan base of X amount of people. Yeah, exactly. hundred um, percent. You make it really easy there. I mean, and I like the, <laughs> you, have, you have like the webpage. Um, we're actually doing that for, I'm doing it for myself as well just to make it super, super easy. And I had a friend, um, are you familiar with Sharon uh, Shervatsa? I'm not. He's a, he's an entrepreneur, but he's also like, there's a lot of bigger, bigger interviews, does some coaching. Um, he took a company from 300 million to 3 billion um, and he's 10X in five years. But one of the cool, he's a really smart marketer, so I like him. Um, one of the things he did on his show, on his, his webpage was like, five reasons why you should have Sharon as your podcast guest. A, I'm going to share it with all my social media. B, I'm going to mail it to my list. C, I'm going to run traffic to it. You know, am I like, okay, well, that's obvious. Like, everyone's going to want you to be a guest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even even if you don't know what he covers, for example, if you were to stumble upon that page, you're like, well, who would I like to have a guest who helps with the promotion and the growth of the show? Exactly, yeah, exactly. So um, I was like, wow, like, I can take some notes here. So I think I sent it to one of my assistants. I was like, we should post this in the Facebook group and share like why this is great and what else. He does some other things on there that are cool. Um, but I thought that those are really good points. Um, and that email that you sent out is really easy to, for people to, so, to know who, why, where, and how. Mm-hmm. Um, all the biggest things that the, a podcast gets, like I get pitched a lot too. And it's just like, you're not a fit. I don't know who you are. And this is way too much work for me. So, so that's that. Um, <laughs> Jan, anything else? Um, we've been going here for a little bit. So if anything else um, that uh, before closing off that you think you do want to add, where can people find out more about you? I'm going to link all the stuff, your course, your Facebook group, and also the episode you mentioned mm-hmm. in the comments. Um, and then also in the show notes when this becomes a podcast. But um, besides that, is there anything else I'm, li- I'm leaving out? Uh, well, in terms of where people can find out more about me, you said there's going to be links, but otherwise my site is yanilunga.com. So that's Y-A-N-N-I-L-U-N-G-A. So yanilunga.com. And yeah, to wrap things up, actually something that I think fits well with what, what we've covered and I had made a note of it, that's why I'm looking down, is the community building aspect of podcasting. So I think that many podcasters, they focus on numbers, downloads, number of subscribers, and all those kind of things, which is fine. But they for tend to forget one thing that, in my opinion, is very important, especially if your podcast is connected to your business, and is that podcast listening is an individual experience. So you may have your overall audience could comprise, let's say, 10,000 people, but each of those individuals consumes your podcast by himself or by herself. So I believe that as a podcaster, everybody should focus on building a community. And I kind of define a community as a place that does a couple of things. One of them, obviously, is it gives your audience access to you. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, almost, is it gives the audience members access to one another. And that can be something like a Facebook group, a Slack community, a forum, and it can be done online, which is kind of easier, or even in person if you organize meetups and those kind of things. So I think it's important for us as podcasters to always keep the community building aspects at the back of our mind and try to do our best to have people go from podcast listener to member of the community because we don't have control. For example, recently Apple decided to change some things with the categories in Apple podcasts. So things that can potentially impact podcasts, discoverability and those kinds of things. And they didn't ask anybody. They just did it. So all those decisions, we aren't asked for our opinion. So because of that, it's important to create a community, which is a space we control or mostly control because, for example, Facebook, 
the control we have there. It's not total, but it's a space that we can control. We can decide what type of content we share, what is the direction of the Facebook group, for example, or the meetups that we organize. And then we bring people together and great things can happen simply because you created this space where your listeners come together and a person who lives on the other side of the world connects with one or people who live on the East Coast connect with people on the West Coast. And then maybe you organize an in-person event or they attend a conference and they meet in person and and, and great things can happen because of that. So focus on community building. Yeah, 100%. I, I like that. And that's it's different from an email list because you mm-hmm. should be building emails, but it's not necessarily a group. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, like the Slack channel aspect of it. It's also, I feel like you, you have even more um, control in a Slack channel. But personally, for me, I'd rather have them on Facebook. It's more yeah. a visual environment. You can see more about them. You don't Yeah, more them. tools also. Yeah, exactly. And also, there's more people on Facebook than most people may not have Slack if they're not um, familiar with or work online normally. So a bit of a usability issue there. But mm-hmm. uh, I've seen both work. I personally like Facebook groups. And um, yeah, it's, it's community, right? It's almost like a it's like this, this age's email list in a sense where the community is no longer on a list of people on email, mm-hmm. uh, EMS. It's more on a... In a community like Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, you can even do a LinkedIn group if you're very professional or there's, that's where your, your audience is at. So very good point. Yeah. Thank you very much. Paul. I really, really appreciate yeah. it. And email matters. You know, I'm not saying don't focus right. on email. Definitely email is the medium that gives you the most control. Yeah. So definitely you want to have control on, on, on that. But the, the, again, with email, it's you communicating with people one-on-one or one-to-many, but the different listeners don't get to interact with one another. So that's where a Facebook group or anyways, a community building platform comes into place. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool if you could do that on, on email, you know, connect with everybody or have everyone else connect with each other. That'd be cool. Um, <laughs> I think that's a few years away though. But um, anyways, my friend, thank you so much for going on. My for pleasure. On the, uh, on the replay, post comments below. Um, I myself will get them, get to them, or Jan will get to them. So feel free to share as well. And um, I appreciate and it. And tag. And feel free to tag. If you have questions, you want to make sure that we don't miss them, definitely tag. I'm, I'm part of the group as well. So happy to answer any questions, hear thoughts, whatever you may have on your mind. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Jan. My pleasure. Hey, what's up? Lewis again. And I get asked this question a lot. So I wanted to answer it here for you in a unique manner. And that question is, Lewis, what exactly do you do? How do you help podcasters? What exactly do you and what does podcast domination really help with? Well, instead of me sitting here and telling you all the amazing stuff about us, I thought it'd be fun and interesting for you guys to hear what our clients are saying. So here you go. Please enjoy Lewis literally makes my life so much easier. All I have to do is record my content. I don't have to worry about editing it. I don't have to worry about writing show notes. I don't have to create any of my graphics to promote it. He literally does everything for me. We hired Lewis to kind of help us set up the podcast and for us to put our content out and kind of grow our brand. And all I really have to say, it's been a huge success. It's been really easy. Lewis and his whole team have made the whole process easy. Setting it up originally, which with podcasts is kind of intimidating, and there's a lot of things that if you're not really, if you don't know a lot about the platform, that it's very time consuming. So Lewis made all of that easy. In the beginning, I'm not going to lie, I was completely overwhelmed, confused, stressed out, because I went on YouTube trying to figure out how to set up a successful podcast. And actually going on YouTube, I was just bombarded by so much information that I just wanted to give up on the idea. And then I met a good friend of ours that introduced me to Lewis and we hit it off. And he just said to me, it's really, really simple. I will take care of everything for you. I think what Lewis has done for me has made it seem so painless. He has took my idea and saved me money. He saved me time and energy. And more importantly, he's made my Persistence Factor podcast sound professional. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed those sound bites as much as I enjoyed putting them together. <laughs> if you have any questions about how we can help you grow, launch, or further your podcasting efforts, feel free to reach out to me at Lewis at Podcast Domination, or you can reach out to my team and ask them some questions. Hello at podcastdomination.co. Both are .co. Just make sure that's, uh, keep that in mind. Anyways, I'll see you on the next episode. And until next time, keep dominating.